Welcome to the Tom Dupree Show this week. Joining us, Adarsh Meshru, Mike Johnson, our host, Tom Dupree, and we are powered by Dupree Financial Group. Um, keep it up there. Don't turn it way down. Uh, this is a by a group called the Bombay Bicycle Club. They are from London, and, and it's interesting on their description. They even talk about where in London. It's called Crouch End. And I, I remember years ago uh, taking the tube or taking the train. It's in the northern side of London. That's not a real good area. I mean, it, it, I think it's kind of coming back, but uh, a little bit like South Boston. But. They evidently have a real strong uh, identification with their neighborhood in London, where they're from. I have heard the name of this band several times over the past few years. It's usually, you know, it pops up on some uh, some uh, serious uh, or or Spotify feed that somebody's doing of kind of indie bands. But, you know, and, and I can't tell much about the character of them, but if you you want, know, some of these bands, there, there's a lot of different sounds, and this is kind of its own sound. You can watch the YouTube video and get kind of a feeling. It's uh, an English version of a boy band. Yeah, probably. So the, the piano and the bass has a, a real jazz yeah, kind of feel. Uh, yeah, rhythm to it. Uh, I like it. Yeah, I mean. It, it's easy background music. I, I bet you they probably almost never, you know, tour in the U.S. Yeah. It would be my bet. Yeah. So, anyway. All right. Well, that's just dandy. Um, <laughs> okay. You know, it's something to talk about that's not the market. Uh Markets are stuck in overreaction mode. Uh, every little data point has the potential to create huge swings and changes in directions. Uh, this is from the Wall Street Journal. Looks like it came out about three days ago. You know, this morning we get up and, you know, hiring was a little bit better than what they wanted. How low was the market? Was it like a thousand points down at one point or? 
I mean, it may close a thousand points down. It just well, more. well, I mean, Monday and Tuesday, it was about fourteen hundred points up yeah. between the two days, Monday and Tuesday, and you know, since then, it's just been kind of get and, and I mean, I mean, it's th- down it's down 687 yeah. right now as we speak so, so you know it's it doesn't make any sense everything's getting sold off good stuff bad stuff uh your treasury bonds seem to not want to go over four percent i mean you know you're you're sitting at a 387 at that is on the 10 year some of the other ones are well over four percent the shorter stuff with the inversion in the yield curve. But typically uh, when this is in my experience, I've been doing this for 44 years, may not be that long compared to some people compared to others. It's an eon, but um, it seems to me just logic was, would be that if your longer term bonds are yielding slightly lower than your shorter term bonds, the market thinks it's going to turn and that you're going to want to be in the longer-term paper. So what's the bond market telling you? The bond market's telling you it's paying attention to what the Fed is doing, but it's also looking six months, nine months, a year out and saying, when this thing breaks, I want to be in the longer-term paper. Now, one thing Adarsh said yesterday, I was talking to Adarsh, and uh, uh, he uh, he said that, yeah, but some uh, companies will experience a drop in earnings if, if we have a recession. So a drop in interest rates would not necessarily be enough to make those companies rally uh, given that their earnings may be lower. And he was talking about the S&P 500. I think there will be some companies, if you do your sharpshooting, that will still have pretty good earnings in through there, and they may get an elevation. So, uh, you know, people say, well, you know, you got to deal with what's happening right now. But the bond market itself, I mean, if we thought that 5 6% inflation was really embedded in the system like they did in the 80s, You'd be seeing a lot higher than 4% on the uh, three and change on the 10-year. And I don't know what the 30-year is. It's probably close to 4% at this point. Or the, Yeah, it's uh, the 30-year is actually uh, below the 10-year. Oh, so it's even yeah, lower. It is. What's it, a 360 or yeah, something? Yeah, it's maybe 370 around there. Yeah. See, there you go. Now, now, that's a 30-year bond, and people are willing to put money to work saying, you know what, I don't believe inflation – I mean, that tells you right there. They think inflation is going to be 2 or 3% long-term, 3 at the max, because you got to pay tax on that yield. And if if the tax is eaten into you and, you know, finally, so what they're saying is it could be as low as 2 or lower in another, you know, if they thought it was going to go on for three more years, elevated inflation, it wouldn't be a 370. It'd be a 670 or something like that on the 30 year. I mean, you would have seen a drop that would have just blown your mind, but 
it just seems to me that the market is saying to you, even in these most dire situations, and we are beginning to see a mitigation in, in inflation. You can't help but it. You know, the numbers are not quite as hot as they have. You get this employment number today. They want to find the shorts drive this because the, the uh, longs have no conviction. So the people just sell short into it. The short sellers have all the conviction right now. They're like a bunch of vandals. Go ahead. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I think, you know, what you're seeing is basically a repricing of uh, uh, risk. So we know that the 10-year bond, you know, it went close to 4%. It basically hit 4% uh, last week. And it's close to there. And... Um, <clears throat> At but one, it didn't really break through, and, and it's it bounced off. It, it got did. all the way to a 360. Right. Now it's back to a 387, sort of. Right. So, um, you know, the stock market uh, or equities in general, you know, there's a risk premium that, uh, you know, investors demand for equities. And basically when, uh, you know, the 10-year bond was at 2%, investors were willing to take a lower return on equities because uh, risk-free bonds were uh, you know, yielding lower. So now we are seeing a repricing of that equity risk, which means that you know, stocks have uh, dropped. <clears throat> uh, we know there's a good chance that you know, inflation is you know, uh, it's not going to stay this high. Uh, it may have already peaked, but I think the market fears that you know it may not drop all the way back to two percent or below two oh, yeah. percent it may stay elevated for some time and uh, that that uncertainty is maybe part of the reason why investors are still demanding a higher uh, yeah but do you think the market based on that has become oversold and that it may be you know it's at 29 and change on the dow you know maybe even if it moderates around two and a half to three percent on inflation you know you could see the dow come back to 32 33 somewhere in there i i think yeah i think that's a real possibility uh you know and i think inflation you know the the entire narrative is inflation interest rates but if you put it in context this is also happening uh after a very long-term bull market, we've had a bull market since 2009, really. Of course, we've had drops in, uh, along the way. But uh, this is happening after a long-term bull market. Uh, and at the same time, we saw excessive speculative behavior in 2020, 2021. Uh, so some of it was just a lot of uh, fraud that was in the system that had to be corrected. So I, I suspect if... You know, this was happening when the S&P was uh, at uh, 3,000. We would not have seen such a, you know, drop despite inflation. Because, yes, inflation is high, but we know that, uh, uh, you know, it will get fixed eventually because either people... It's easier to fix than deflation. Yes. Either people will just stop buying these things, which have gone up in price, or uh, the Federal Reserve is going to tighten uh, and bring it down like, like they have in the past. I was just say, I mean, the market's reacting to, you know, on Monday it was technically bad news, but the market reacted positively Monday and Tuesday because it would indicate the Fed would not raise rates as quickly. And then today is actually good news, but the market views reacting it as bad negative, news. Yeah. Um, but I was also talking to Adarsh, and <laughs> <laughs> what we, um, it, 
we were looking at just certain sectors of the of the market. I mean, you look at um, REITs, for example, real estate investment trusts, and where I mean that whole sector has gotten sold off. And you know, some of these are physical; they own physical property. Some own bonds, mortgage related bonds, different things. But the the news today. Let's just think you have uh, commercial properties or right. something like I mean, the news today is actually good news for that business because your defaults would be lower, right. uh, delinquencies would be lower, things like that. But you're having the whole sector sell off. So it is totally interest rate driven. Yeah. And it's, I think the selling is indiscriminate. Yeah. It, it is not uh, based on you know, sharpshooting areas. Right. So consequently, I look at it, and this is, you know, this has happened in my career more than once. Let's just say that. It's a time when there's a whole lot of opportunity and you can hardly get anybody interested because it's so rugged right now. And, you know, that's what makes it be a bear market Mm -hmm. is you can't get, you know, and, and and then the thing that, you know, when it, when it starts to come back, people deny that it's happening. And, uh, you know, that it climbs that wall of worry. Right. So right now the wall of worry is falling in on everything. So it's all worry. And, right. you know, it's always short-sighted the way people react. Well, and – the the day to day volatility it can it it's easy for that to let somebody it, it causes you to lose sight. I mean, let's look at this week. I mean, that's that's a week is a short period. It's a very right. short period. But I mean, you think of where we were Monday. You had the big rally Monday and Tuesday, and it's been selling off since. We'll see where it closes today, but there's a good chance we'll actually close slightly up for the week. Uh, from where we started on Monday, even, even though you're having all this volatility. And so you, you have to be very careful, not let the day to day movements jar you. It's, you have to think about is the market down because I made bad investments in bad companies or is it down because the market itself is functioning poorly. Mm Mm-hmm. And, you know, that is a, is a question that you have to ask yourself. You've got to, you know, focus on the fundamentals of why you made the investment. Now, most people I talk to that come and say, you know, could I come in and, you know, talk to you? They show me their portfolio and it's got a bunch of ETFs or index funds. That's pretty much what much what people own right now. I mean, there's not been near the amount of growth in separately managed funds as there has been in ETF and index funds. Baskets, if you will. Yeah. Unmanaged baskets. So consequently, you're riding with the market. If you ride with the market, you ride up and you ride down. And there's, you don't really know how you've made money other than the fact that you bought into the market. Now, 
that's great when the market's going up and in about 80% of the time, 70%, the markets are going up. So you can do really well. But the way we invest, we invest for times like this where we can say, golly, we do trust our research based upon the work we've done in making the investments that we've made. And if we are able to stay in touch with and on top of the things in which we've invested, if those fundamentals about our companies don't change, indeed, if the uh, companies use these tough times to actually improve their fundamentals, shore up their balance sheets, do a good job doing what they have to do, then we were right. We weren't right necessarily at timing the market. It's okay. We're not in the market timing business. Let me tell you something. There are not very many people super, super good at timing markets. There's, at best, a handful. And the rest of the people usually miss it on the upside or the downside by a small amount or a large amount. Mm-hmm. Or a small time frame, but a large yeah. dollar amount. And so the thing of it is, in a bear market, <laughs> what happened on Monday and Tuesday was a value, was a, a bear trap. It's obvious that the sellers were going to sell into it. If you look at a thing called short interest, that is how much of a stock is sold short with the expectation that you, they'll be able to buy it back at a cheaper price, the short interest on a lot of these stocks is really huge. What does that mean? That means when you get to where they're not going to go any lower, those guys better start thinking about covering their shorts, which means they have to buy the stock. A short squeeze is when a lot of the short sellers thought that the stock was going to go lower. They sold it short, and it started going up. Now they're losing money because the stock's going up, and they're short the stock. They're not long the stock. They're short. Long means you own the stock. Short means you've sold it to somebody hoping to buy it back cheaper. If it starts going up, you ain't going to buy it back cheaper. And then what happens sometimes is the short sellers get squeezed and that creates even more buying and more upward uh, pressure. So, I mean, you know, and I'll tell you another thing, and a lot of these people don't think about this. You short a stock that pays a dividend, you're short the dividend also. That means you have to deliver the dividend to the guy you sold the stock to because you don't own the stock. You're borrowing the stock. Mm-hmm. Anyway, that's it's a little bit of a, a kind of a lesson in how that stuff works. Well, and you were talking about uh, ETFs, and I mean we, we have and do use ETFs, but you have to be everything can be used in the proper way. I mean, you think of annuities. Most of the time, annuities are not used properly. Uh, a lot of times. Uh, indexing or ETFs can 
can mask complacency. So there, there are times. Well, all I'm saying is if the, the market's going up and you're in the right ETF in the right sector and you've done the research, you can make a home yeah. run. It's just that you're going to go with what the market does. That's right. And where I was going with that, when you have a market sell-off like we've had, you have that that's when you have the chance to buy good companies, individual companies at good prices. Cause let's say you have a sector that sells off 20%, the components of that sector, some are going to sell off 25, 30%, maybe more. That's when you go in, do your analysis on those particular companies. And then you can buy those good companies at good prices. That's right. when you get opportunities. And so it, it's all, all of this is part of portfolio management and making sure you're properly invested for where you are in life. Um, you know, if, if you're 30 years old, I talked to a guy briefly in his early thirties, this be happy for what's happening right now in the market. Right. If you're, if you're contributing, continue to add to it, dollar cost average. Um, and, if you're in retirement or just started retirement, now's a, a crucial point to really review and know what you own and you see if changes need to be made. Yeah. And if those changes need to be made, it doesn't ever hurt to have another set of eyes. Take a look at your portfolio. Call us, 859-233-0400. And as we've said before, the stock market goes up and down. Good companies endure. Hey, that's my say. Well, the last time I said somebody smart said that, and you said, well, so I just skipped that part this time. You're listening to the Tom Dupree Show with the Darsh Meshru. Mike Johnson and Tom Dupree will be back in just a few minutes with more of the Tom Dupree Show. Stay tuned. I'm Tom Dupree. I've been in the investment business for nearly 45 years. I started off as a municipal bond salesman. Over time, I used my knowledge of local and state finance to study corporate finance and revenue streams. When I decided to focus on purely retirement investing nearly 20 years ago, I became convinced that the most important feature of retirement investments should be cash flow with growth secondary. Retirees need monthly income. We invest in things that produce recurring revenue because you have recurring expenses. Call us today at 859-233-0400 to make a no-obligation appointment. We will review your retirement investment portfolio and make recommendations. Also, listen to the Tom Dupree Show on Saturday mornings from 7 to 10. That's Dupree Financial Group at 859 859- Two three three zero four hundred.
Welcome back to the Tom Dupree Show for the second half of the second hour. Joining us, Darsh Meshru, Mike Johnson, our host, Tom Dupree, and we are powered by Dupree Financial Group. Not so sure about this music, Tom. I like it. I do. I think it's pretty good. This is a band called The Symposium. They're from Chicago, but they kind of came up in the shadow of another band called The Strokes. Have you guys heard of The Strokes? Okay. So I was with some people this past weekend, and there were some younger kids in their 20s, and one of them was a girlfriend of a friend of my cousin and said, who do you listen to these days? And she said, this band called The Strokes. She said they were timeless and that she would probably still be listening to them for 20 years from now. So, I mean... you have something of theirs? I mean, I'd like to play a little bit of their music because, you know, they they sound a little like, I don't know, maybe the the Black Keys or somebody. I mean, they, they you know. Do you know what's funny about that song that we were just playing? When it what? switched, the way it switched, I thought it had gone to another song. No, that was the same song. Hmm. There's still another, you know, 35 seconds of it, but... I, they did that at the beginning too, where they did like the screech. I'm, I just, I don't know about these guys. Yeah, of course you don't. All right, here's one by the. I just. Well, leave it there. I just, I just sent you one by the Strokes. Go ahead and play that, because you know, I mean, I'm gonna tell you, you either adapt or die. You know, and and this girl, she looked like she kind of was. Fairly, She's about 25. Cute. I mean, current. smart. You know, and on top of stuff. And she's an artist, and she says she really likes this group called The Strokes. So here's The Strokes. Okay, that sounds. Who does that sound like? Uh, that's what Talking uh, Heads, maybe. Talking Heads. It was an early '80s group. Who am I thinking of? Men, uh, the, no, no, the Cars. Men at, was it Men at Work? Men at Work. That's, that's nah. Well, no, they they have a different sound. I listen to them a lot. Okay, this is more to me. Talking Heads, Cars. Yeah. It is a it's, little bit Cars like. Yeah, like I, can, I can hear the Cars. That just sounds like early British pop, kind of. Well, I say early, like early to me. Or well, like early see, 80s. you know what? I think some of these kids they might not have even listened to the cars, and they're listening to this. 
And they're thinking they're listening to something <laughs> new. <laughs> right. Well, anyway, I don't know. Do they have them in India? <laughs> I don't know. I always ask you. you know. <laughs> I mean, since they have roads in, in India. Do they have roads in India? All right. <coughs> okay, this thing says, so it's an interesting report. Uh, it says inflation problem will get better before it gets worse. Now, let's not get too sophisticated here. Inflation, all it is, it's, it's supply and demand. That's it. It's always going to be about the law of supply and demand. And the other thing about inflation is that inflation is always going to be personal. So the things that you spend money on might be different than the things I spend money on. So my inflation rate is going to be different than your inflation rate. Now, one thing to consider When we had our last really major bout of inflation, uh, it was in the late 70s, mid to late 70s and early 80s. It really peaked in the early 80s and was beginning to die out. Um, back then, there was no such thing really as the software industry. There was no such thing as the Internet. There was no such thing as the smartphone. There was no such thing as a personal computer. Um, the level of productivity of the average worker in 1981, 82 was probably about the same as it had been in 1881 <laughs> in some ways. Uh, you did not have an, a complete revolution and and this was the early part of my career i mean i've been doing this for 44 years what you did not have you didn't have microsoft you didn't have personal computers you didn't have spreadsheets that you could do on a computer you didn't have the internet you didn't have all of those things that have served to be incredible curbs on inflation why are they because they enhance productivity. Not only do they enhance productivity, they blow it out the roof. The thing that someone can do with a PC now, you could start a company. You could start a billion-dollar company in your garage. You weren't going to be able to do that in 1981. So the structural things of inflation – that were embedded in the market were very hard to get rid of. The only thing you could do, it was like getting rid of a cancer. You gave the system enough chemotherapy and radiation to basically nearly kill the system, and in some ways you did. Those who survived were able to do very well because over the next 40 years you had a period of declining rates and rising uh equity call equity prices now i don't believe that we're done with um technological advancements you know when when a revolution is taking place Sometimes you don't know you're in the middle of it. It just seems to be kind of how thing, things are going. 
But I've seen what it was like before. You know, we hand wrote tickets when we bought some bonds. We took them to the the people in the back office. They put them in, you know, and got the bond trade done. We did not have computers on our desk. They had something like, it was really more like a teletype. They put it in and it printed out somewhere else. Wasn't really a computer. It's all changed now. You can buy bonds right off your screen if you want to. I mean, you know, I don't believe that we are done. I don't even believe we're in the same kind of economy we were in in the early 80s when it's everybody's looking back at Volcker saying, oh, you know, Powell has to channel Volcker and do what Volcker did. Um, what has happened is that it has been, because interest rates have been so low for so long, it has been so easy for the Treasury to finance its deficits at a low rate of return the only thing that will begin to change inflation well one it's not the only thing it'll be it'll help is if the treasury begins to understand they're going to have to pay higher rates of interest and they can't borrow as much money that'll be one part of it now the mortgage market which is another market not near as big as the u.s treasury bond market but nonetheless big because it's guaranteed by the the government uh, most of it, Freddie and Fannie, that market, you will find that you won't be producing as many new mortgages. So you'll have a drying up in supply on the long end of the mortgage market because there's just not going to be that new many new mortgage originations in here. I mean, nobody's going to refinance a 4% mortgage to a 7% mortgage. And a lot of people who thought about buying a house right now, they're going to Put it off for a while. Yeah. Because, you know, they don't want to pay 7%. And people that sat around and waited, they got it shoved up, you know what. And so uh, it's just think of it in terms, it doesn't have to get real complicated. It's really basically supply and demand. Right. So, yeah, as you said, it is supply and demand. Uh, and, you know, technological improvements are a constant now. If Yeah, I mean, you could argue that what we've seen in the last 30 years with the advent of uh, well, computers becoming, you know, really faster than they used to be and the internet. And now we have, you know, basically the next level of internet where we have all these apps that are doing things, um, AI and all that. So, I mean... Technological improvement has been a constant, which is good. Today, the average person lives better than a king did 500 years ago uh, in a lot of ways. You know, better or even had, 300 years or ago. Or even 300 years ago. Um, but going back to that supply and demand, you know, uh, there is a shortage of uh, many things uh, in this economy. We know there's a shortage of labor because even today for every job opening, uh, for every person that's out there, there are 1.7 available jobs. Uh, well, but that's dropping. It, it, yes, it, it was two, and now it's down to yeah, one. Yeah, it's beginning to mitigate. Yes. Uh, 
But there is uh, still a shortage of uh, labor, both skilled and unskilled. Uh, we know that there's a shortage of commodities just because over the last decade there wasn't much investment that went into commodities and we are seeing that in the price of crude oil and various other commodities. Uh, we also know that the tailwinds of um, China, you know, parts of Eastern Europe and other parts of Asia joining uh, the World Trade Organization and becoming a part of, you know, global trade the returns from that are diminishing just because uh, costs are increasing in those countries. So it's not going to be as cheap to produce something in China as it was, you know, ten, even 10 years ago. So uh, those are drags and technology, I believe, will address all those issues, whether it be commodities, labor. It's right. just, you know, how long does it take? Uh, so I, I sometimes it moves slowly, but sometimes it can move very quickly. Right, right. So, you know, I mean, I'm certain that 50 years from now, we'll, we'll be living much better lives in terms of healthcare and, you know, conveniences. But, you know, from today to the next five years or 10 years, and I think that's what this is talking about, you know, do, will we have these inflationary shocks because there is a, a, a lag between, you know, s- supply meeting demand. We also know that there was a shortage of homes prior to this big run-up because there were no new, not as many new homes built after the housing crisis. Um, and millennials are just now starting to buy homes and older people are living longer. So uh, uh, so that has also a- uh, added to supply uh, constraints. You think, you think back, I mean, in 2020 though, I mean, when, when everything shut down, if you think back, if that if that had occurred 15, 20 years ago, demand would have been zero because right. nobody could buy anything because nobody could leave. Right. But with technology, demand went through the roof. Right. Exactly. That's and a good point. It went through the roof. You're exactly right. And they were able to trade stocks. They were able to buy stuff on the Internet. I mean, yeah. think about that. I mean, it was yeah. – where people got in trouble was that they extrapolated that behavior yeah. out past the end of the, uh, of the, uh, uh, pandemic. And, uh, you know, that turned out to be not correct, but we're seeing where, you know, I was reading an article about Macy's, you know, we don't own that stock, but evidently they've done a really good job of, of controlling their inventory. And some of these other companies, like I think it mentioned Nike, They've got like 47% backlog. They're just trying to work through stuff from last year, you know, whereas Macy's is able to, you know, be more nimble and therefore they're, uh, you know, because they, they're not stuck with a bunch of inventory people that have properly managed this stuff, you know, they, the glut, and that's going to be disinflationary. Mm-hmm. I don't care what you say. You know, what begets low prices, high prices, you know, and, and the other thing is if, if, if an inflation print is really high and then the next few months it reverts back to where it was before that, that's going to come through as, as lower inflation, you know, because you're going off that high number that you had. It's just like the market, if the market hits, if a stock hits a hundred and you buy it there and it drops to 70, you're down 30% even though the stock might've started the year at 30. Yeah. Right. You know, the stock may be up 110% for the year. You're down 30. 
Yeah. It's going to be that way with inflation. What people are forgetting is that they're going to go off the last print and it, you're going to be, as you begin to come down, you'll show a lower uh, tick on that. Right. Um, and then another cause of inflation, uh, which may continue, is basically, uh, you know, fiscal policy. So the the belief was that, you know, back in during the financial crisis, that the Fed is lowering interest rates, they're putting all this money in the banking system and inflation is going to get out of control. That did not happen. But what we saw over the last two years is that money actually started going directly to yeah. people Um uh, and that's always inflationary. Yes, so that directly went into the economy. And going forward, you know, the the Fed may be, you know, they may raise rates, they may try to do quantitative tightening, but a lot is going to depend on what governments around the world do in terms of their fiscal policy. Because, you know, if, say, the Fed tightens, we have a recession, what will be the response of the government, you know, put in, you know, send out um, more money uh, in Europe, yeah. You're already seeing that the response to high inflation, high energy costs has been government sending people money Absolutely. to help them bear that. So on one side, you have, you know, the central banks tightening. But on the other side, you could have governments, you know, spending more money just to keep people happy. Well, I mean, you look at the, the UK, uh, what they did, uh, where they they were going to put the, the tax cut on there at the same time. And you had the bond market go nuts. And then they ended up, it was a Wednesday, I guess it was Wednesday that they announced that they were going to start buying bonds because right. uh, they had to shore up the, the bond market over there uh, because, I mean, it was a major right. move in their bond yields. And they had uh, come to find out, I mean, this is, this is where the contagion thing happens. This is in the United Kingdom, United right? Kingdom, yeah. yeah. Not, not University of Kentucky. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, got to clarify that. Talking about bonds and, yeah. <laughs> uh, but th- they had... Basically, uh, the pension funds had leveraged bets on the the bonds Stupid, over there. Stupid, yeah. And if they wouldn't have stepped in and bought bonds, which is the opposite of what they were trying to do, they, right. were, they were planning on selling. If they hadn't have stepped in to do that, there you know, it was about a trillion dollars was tied to these leveraged bets. It was similar to what happened during the financial crisis uh, right. with the mortgage bonds. But... To your point, Adarsh, I mean, you're going to have the central banks pushing one thing and then the politicians pushing another and don't know how those two are going to square up. That's right. Well, I mean, the the thing of it is leverage bets on anything can go against you in a market like this. But if you stick to your knitting, so to speak, and are, are smart about how you do your investing and do your research, you know, you, you can you can find things that look really interesting and be smart about how you invest, you know. You just have to be, and, uh, you know, it doesn't hurt uh, to uh, – sometimes you got to average in. Sometimes you go all in, but, you know, a market like this will give you plenty of time to buy some things you'd like at the at a price you would like. Typically, they stay on sale for a while. Stay disciplined. Yeah. Stay disciplined through the whole thing, uh, buying and selling. Well, and and the the place that we play, the role we play in all of that, is helping people be disciplined 
helping people know what they own, helping them to do their research, and then looking over their shoulders to see what they, to make sure they know what they own. That's what we're here for. We're a phone call away, 859-233-0400. We'd be happy to take a look at your portfolio and give an idea, give you background about what you own if you don't know, and give you some ideas about our research that we are readily doing in this very interesting time and market. Tom, parting words. You got go cats. Oh my gosh. <laughs> it's football time in the bluegrass. Enjoy the game Beat today. South Carolina. You've been listening to the Tom Dupree show with the Darsh Meshru, Mike Johnson, and our host Tom Dupree. Give us a call, 859-233-0400. You can also always email Tom at tdupree at dupreefinancial.com. We appreciate you listening. We'll be back with the next hour in just a few minutes. Stay tuned. We're going to have Luther Deaton from Central Bank joining us to talk a little bit about Lexington.